Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. These are not the thoughtful, considered beliefs of a man who has seen the world in all its confounding agony and inconsistency. It's freshman seminar nihilism from a boy who found it easier to justify his wanton ambition by pretending that everyone else was just pretending, too. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io, Circle, and Kraken, and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Thursday, November 17th, and today we are talking about how the guy who oversaw the demise and breakup and bankruptcy of Enron says that FTX is worse. Before we get into that, however, if you are enjoying The Breakdown, please go subscribe to it, give it a rating, give it a review, or if you want to dive deeper into the conversation, come join us in the Breakers Discord. You can find a link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash breakdown pod. Well, folks, the hits just keep on coming. Two big pieces of news in the FTX saga. And unfortunately, that is where we will be focused for today. I will promise you again that starting on Monday, we are in Grateful for Bitcoin Week, And to the extent that there are any mentions of this, it will only be in passing and in the context of lessons learned. All right, so as I said, two big pieces of news in the saga, and the first has to do with revelations from the bankruptcy process. As you well know at this point, on Friday, FTX filed for Chapter 11. This has not been a straightforward process. In fact, there is a jurisdictional battle around where the bankruptcy happens. On Wednesday, the Wall Street Journal wrote that the Securities Commission of the Bahamas said that John J. Ray III, the new CEO designated by FTX to oversee the bankruptcy, did not have the authority to initiate a U.S.-based Chapter 11 proceeding. On Tuesday, FTX Digital Markets, the company's Bahamas subsidiary, filed for Chapter 15 in New York in order to seek recognition of Bahamian liquidation proceedings. If that is successful, some of the proceedings could move from the U.S. bankruptcy courts to the local Bahamas courts. There's an initial hearing on December 13th. Now, the details of all this don't so much matter other than as a demonstration of just how messy this is going to get. However, in the U.S. Chapter 11 proceeding, Ray has filed his first day pleadings, which is effectively a 30-page overview of where the case is so far. It is, in a single word, shocking. Here are some of the highlights. Maybe the most quoted part comes from the very, very beginning. Ray writes, I have over 40 years of legal and restructuring experience. I have been the chief restructuring officer or chief executive officer in several of the largest corporate failures in history. I have supervised situations involving allegations of criminal activity and malfeasance. Enron. 
I've supervised situations involving novel financial structures, Enron and residential capital, and cross-border asset recovery and maximization, Nortel and overseas shipholding. Nearly every situation in which I have been involved has been characterized by defects of some kind in internal controls, regulatory compliance, human resources, and systems integrity. Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. From compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad, to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. Now, obviously, this is where the title of this show comes from, and that never-in-my-career quote is making it all the way around the internet. Now, going back to the jurisdictional issues, it sounds from this document that Sam is trying to meddle to try to get the jurisdiction out of the U.S. Ray writes, Mr. Bankman-Fried, the co-owner and controlling owner of all of the debtors and of FTXDM, appears to be supporting efforts by the JPLs to expand the scope of the FTX-DM proceedings in the Bahamas, to undermine these Chapter 11 cases, and to move assets from the debtors to accounts in the Bahamas under the control of the Bahamian government. In verified messages posted through Twitter, Mr. Bankman-Fried just yesterday expressed profane disdain for regulators, his regrets at these Chapter 11 cases having been filed, and disclosed his goal that, quote, we win a jurisdictional battle versus Delaware to have any proceedings occur in the Bahamas. Now, I'll leave it to you, dear listener, to determine why you think Sam might be so eager to have the jurisdiction out of the U.S. and into the Bahamian government that he was very close with. However, that's not where this ends, and it gets even messier. Going back to the document from Ray. In connection with investigating a hack on Sunday, November 13th, Mr. Bankman-Fried and Mr. Wang stated in recorded and verified text that Bahamas regulators instructed that certain post-petition transfers of debtor assets be made by Mr. Wang and Mr. Bankman-Fried, who the debtors understand were both effectively in the custody of Bahamas authorities, and that such assets were custodied on fireblocks under the control of the Bahamian government. The debtors thus have credible evidence that the Bahamian government is responsible for directing unauthorized access to the debtors' system for the purpose of obtaining digital assets of the debtors that took place after the commencement of these cases. The appointment of the JPLs and recognition of the Chapter 15 case are thus in serious question. It appears that the automatic stay has been flaunted by a government actor, no less. This is no time to be arguing over venue. Basically, Ray is accusing the Bahamian government of colluding with Sam and Gary Wang to move funds to them even after the Chapter 11 bankruptcy had been filed. Still, when it comes to what the crypto space is talking about most, there are a couple distinct things. One very notable part of the filings seems to give an answer to where did all this money go? Effectively, these documents show that, among other smaller loans, FTX loaned Sam a total of $3.3 billion and his co-founder Nishad $543 million. Some people are honestly relieved because at least it shows where some of this money went. Still, I think the thing that might have the community most livid comes from this section, Section F, Digital Asset Custody. It's short, so I'm going to just read it here. The FTX group did not keep appropriate books and records or security controls with respect to its digital assets. Mr. Bankman-Fried and Mr. Wang controlled access to digital assets of the main business in the FTX group, with the exception of Ledger X, regulated by the CFTC and certain other regulated and or licensed subsidiaries. Unacceptable management practices included the use of an unsecured group email account as the root user to access confidential private keys and critically sensitive data for the FTX group companies around the world. The absence of daily reconciliation of positions on the blockchain the use of software to conceal the misuse of customer funds, 
the secret exemption of Alameda from certain aspects of FTX.com's auto liquidation protocol, and the absence of independent governance as between Alameda, owned 90% by Mr. Bankman Fried and 10% by Mr. Wang, and the dot-com silo in which third parties had invested. Now, obviously, the new thing that we learned here, because we had known about the software to conceal the misuse of customer funds after Reuters reporting last week, the new thing here was the secret exemption of Alameda from certain aspects of FTX's auto-liquidation protocol. So when everyone else was getting liquidated for making bad trades, Alameda was not. The conclusion ended as strongly as Ray began. Finally and critically, he writes, The debtors have made clear to employees and the public that Mr. Bankman-Fried is not employed by the debtors and does not speak for them. Mr. Bankman-Fried, currently in the Bahamas, continues to make erratic and misleading public statements. Mr. Bankman-Fried, whose connections and financial holdings in the Bahamas remain unclear to me, recently stated to a reporter on Twitter, F*** regulators, they make everything worse, and suggested the next step for him was to win a jurisdictional battle versus Delaware. Want to keep more profits when trading? Get the best possible prices and trade with 50% lower fees on Nexo Pro. The new spot and futures trading platform uses aggregated liquidity of over 3,000 order books collected from multiple sources. Utilizing the complete Nexo suite allows you to earn interest and borrow funds as you wait for the next trade setup. Visit pro.nexo.io. That's pro.nexo.io and sign up today. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe, and efficient way to send money around the globe. USDC is always redeemable one-to-one for US dollars and has over $45 billion in circulation as of October 13th, 2022. Plus, Circle posts weekly reserve reports and monthly attestations of reserve capital, letting users know that USDC is safe, transparent, and compliant with regulations. Just go to circle.com backslash transparency to see why USDC is a trusted stablecoin. As one of the largest, longest lasting, and most secure exchanges, Kraken continues to set the industry example for transparency and trust. Twice yearly proof of reserves audits verify your assets are backed by real assets. Industry leading security keeps your funds and information safe. And award winning client engagement teams are available for support 24 7. Buy crypto instantly with fast, flexible funding options on Kraken. Download the Kraken app on Google Play or the Apple App Store, or visit kraken.com to join. So what is Ray referring to? Well, what he's referring to is a bombshell piece in Vox. SBF was messaging with a reporter who he thought was a friend and who he would later claim quote-unquote leaked their chat. I'm going to go through the messages in the order that Vox put them in because I think they did a pretty good job of organizing the key points. The reporter's name was Kelsey, and I'm going to refer to her as Kelsey from now on so I don't just say the reporter. Kelsey writes, You said a lot of stuff about how you wanted to make regulations, just good ones. Was that pretty much just PR too? Sam responds, There's no one really out there making sure good things happen and bad things don't. Usually there's only one toggle, do more or do less. Yeah, just PR. F*** regulators. They make everything worse. They don't protect customers at all. They can't actually distinguish between good and bad. Just do more business or do less business and put up more moats or put up fewer moats. No one will. But you want to know the truth? No one's doing it in the rest of finance either, or for that matter, other areas that are regulated. The FDA isn't helping. The giant crackdown on big tech has no point or goal or philosophy behind it. OFAC is slowly undermining U.S. interests globally and is the single biggest threat to the U.S. being a superpower. ESG has been perverted beyond recognition. 
Kelsey chimes in, I'm sort of putting together a picture where you don't believe anyone is doing anything for good reasons. You don't believe the good guys are good. So why not make it big and then be the ones who get to decide what good is? And if you have to do sketchy stuff along the way, everyone else is doing it too, and plenty of them are worse, and people still like them as long as they win. Is that fair? Sam responds, eh, there's some truth to it, but it's also true that I didn't want to do sketchy stuff, there are huge negative effects from it, and I didn't mean to. Each individual decision seemed fine, and I didn't realize how big their sum was until the end. This brings us to section two, on being willing to behave unethically. This is really some of my favorites. Kelsey writes, I was just re-listening to that conversation we had this summer about whether you should do unethical sh** for the greater good. Sam asks, what did I say? Kelsey says, you were like, nah, don't do unethical sh**. Like if you're running Philip Morris, no one's going to want to work with you on philanthropy. There's a risk of doing more harm than good, but even if you subtract that out, pretty not worth it. I was trying to figure out, like, if that was the kind of PR off-the-cuff answer. Sam says, man, all the dumb sh** I said. It's not true, really. Everyone goes around pretending that perception reflects reality. It doesn't. Some of this decade's greatest heroes will never be known, and some of its most beloved people are basically shams. A month ago, CZ was a walking example of don't do unethical shit, or your money is worthless. Now he's a hero. Is it because he's virtuous or because he had the bigger balance sheet, and so he won? Kelsey goes on. So the ethics stuff, mostly a front? People will like you if you win and hate you if you lose, and that's how it all really works? Sam says, yeah. I mean, that's not all of it, but it's a lot. The worst quadrant is sketchy and lose. The best is win plus question mark, question mark, question mark. Clean plus lose is bad but not terrible. Back to Kelsey, you were really good at talking about ethics for someone who kind of saw it all as a game with winners and losers. Yeah, hee hee, I had to be. It's what reputations are made of to some extent. I feel bad for those who get f***ed by it, by this dumb game we woke Westerners play where we say all the right shibboleths so everyone likes us. And here I think it's clear that the mask is coming down. And it's important to note here that we're not just dealing with the substance of what he's arguing, although I think there's a lot to dig into on that too, as we'll talk about in a moment. But it's also about who's making these arguments and how baldly he's completely contravening every part of the image that he's tried to make for himself over the last few years. Which gets us, I suppose, to the next section on bending the truth. Kelsey says, you tweeted out some stuff like, we never invest your deposits. That was BS, right? Sam says, it was factually accurate. Kelsey says, huh? But like, their deposits were totally not there. Or do you just mean technically it was Alameda? SBF says FTX, correct. Which, by the way, everyone knew as soon as we learned what was actually going on. And we went back and looked at Sam's thread where he said, we never invest your money. We knew he was going to pull some stupid bullcrap like this, pretending that it wasn't exactly the same as if he was investing it as FTX. Anyway, back to Kelsey. So FTX technically wasn't gambling with their money. FTX had just loaned their money to Alameda, who had gambled with their money and lost it. And you didn't realize how big a deal it was because you don't realize how much money it was? Sam says, and also thought Alameda had enough collateral to reasonably cover it. Kelsey says, I get how you could have gotten away with it, but I guess that seems sketchy even if you get away with it. Sam says, it was never the intention. Sometimes life creeps up on you. Now, one of the common threads you see in here is Sam setting up Alameda to be the fall person for this. But Kelsey got some real information out of him that wasn't there yet about how this all went down. When she pushes him on lending out customer funds, he writes, It's complicated. A, it wasn't quite lending them out. It was messier and more organic than that. Each step was in isolation, rational and reasonable. And then when I finally added it up all last week, it wasn't. B, most exchanges did some variant of what we did, just not as big and without the run of the bank, at least recently, and more intentionally. C, everyone wants to be clever, and the clever thing to do is some sort of complicated 3D chess involving customer orders or data, or something like that which makes no actual sense. 
Kelsey goes on, so there was no point of like, let's lend out customer deposits, just various financial instruments that ended up adding up to that, and you didn't even see they'd added up to that? Sam says, yeah, like, oh, FTX doesn't have a bank account. I guess people can wire to Alameda to get money on FTX. Dot, 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 three years later, dot, dot, dot. Oh, f- it looks like people wired $8 billion to Alameda, and oh god, we basically forgot about the stub account that corresponded to that, and so it was never delivered to FTX. Jesse Powell from Kraken had a load of fun with this one, writing, read, quote, FTX couldn't legitimately obtain a bank account, so we had Alameda launder money to circumvent the normal controls. Three years after failing to do basic accounting and reconciliation, we found out that we done goofed to the tune of $8 billion of client funds. Oops, common mistake. Now, these keep going on, and it finally comes to what he regrets, which more or less amounts to losing, and what comes next, which is Sam still saying that he's going to raise $8 billion in the next two weeks. Alex Kruger summed this all up. The insane SBF chat logs can be condensed into A, his public persona was an act, B, the means justifies the ends, best to be dishonest but win, C, doing sketchy things is okay, D, he had been using customer funds for a long time, E, it wasn't quite lending them out. Eric Wall agreed, saying, so the takeaway from the Vox messages is that FTX basically never had any intention of maintaining separation between the exchange and Alameda. Customer deposits rolled in and it was just viewed as their liquidity. They never even tracked how much of their customer funds they had lost. Cutting to what I think is a little bit more of the quick, Travis Kling said, if we keep granting sociopaths positions of significant power, we're not going to make it. They will inflict damage to a degree that we can't come back from. Crypto will fail if we keep doing this. Lawyer Haley Lennon wrote, the most chilling aspect of this convo to me is that Sam believes everyone thinks and operates the same as he does. Like everyone just lies and tells people what they want to hear to be liked. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what I read in this, although I think her point about this being chilling is dead on. What stands out to me is that this is some version of a self-imposed cynicism where this person has convinced themselves fully that there's no such thing as right and wrong, there's just power in who wields it. Sam probably believes himself very wise to understand this, to have pierced through the normal veil of human social convention, and to understand that it's all artifice. It probably makes him feel very smug that so few others seem to get it never realizing, of course, that perhaps the reason that others don't get it is that it's wrong. To me, nothing about any of this reads as wise. It doesn't read as sage. It certainly doesn't read as someone who has put themselves close to the true human condition and come away embittered, and with this is the only possible conclusion. Instead, it reads like a petulant teenager, scrawling society with a big X on it and bemoaning the fact that no one gets it but him. These are not the thoughtful, considered beliefs of a man who has seen the world in all its confounding agony and inconsistency. It's freshman seminar nihilism from a boy who found it easier to justify his wanton ambition by pretending that everyone else was just pretending, too. And maybe he's still just pretending. It's become clear that the woman who wrote the article was someone who Sam was friendly with. They swam in the same EA circles, and this has led to some speculation about what if this was a plant? What might Sam's objectives be? He went out of his way to walk it back in a thread saying that she had leaked these texts and that regulators really had a tough job and blah, blah, blah. For me right now, my money is on this was real and that he actually finally let the mask drop for the first time in maybe a long time. However, I don't blame anyone for always assuming at this point that Sam has a nefarious motivation. Autism Capital wrote a couple days ago, this FTX fiasco is really doing its best to confirm every single conspiracy theory everyone has ever had about anything. And it's hard not to agree. For now, I want to say thanks again to my sponsors, Nexo.io, Circle, and Kraken. And thanks to you guys for listening. Until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, 
Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.